Hi, it's Jamie, progressive number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hey, Jamie, it's me, Jamie. This is your daily pep talk. I know it's been rough going ever since people found out about your acapella group, Mad Harmony, but you will bounce back. I mean, you're the guy always helping people find coverage options with the Name Your Price tool. It should be you giving me the pep talk. Now get out there, hit that high note, and take Mad Harmony all the way to nationals this year! Sorry, this is pitchy. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You are Locked On Mavericks, your daily podcast on the Dallas Mavericks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is going to be huge. Welcome. You are locked on the Dallas Mavericks. My name is Nick Engstead, media member at MavsMoneyBall.com, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host, the editor, Smokey Cuban. What you got for me, Game 5, Isaac? Game 5, Isaac is looking forward to Game 5 Cancun in, like, three days. (laughs) (laughs) Taking a nice vacation after this. We are in the... We're tw- we're in the back end now of our 2012 final 2012 good lord 2011 finals flashback. We don't want to talk about the. I don't really care about the Thunder Heat finals. That's, no, <laughs> not at all. But we do care about the 2011 uh, finals series with the Mavericks and the Heat. We are in Game Five, and if you have not been following us with us so far, we do a recap of the game and then we talk with a guest during the second half. Our guest today is the Mavericks and the Cowboys play by play. Man, uh, Victor Vialba, the Spanish announcer for the Mavericks and the Cowboys. Uh, We've become good friends with him and love having him on the show. He talks about some experiences he had. He was there. He actually called the game. So of all the people that I talked to, uh, he he was the only one that called the game. (laughs) Because the other guys, you know, Falwell and Chuck Cooperstein, they both didn't do it because the national guys do it on radio and on TV. So, like, Chuck did a couple of the playoff games, but they just both worked it and did other things, other duties during the game. Um, but he was he's the actual one that, that called it, so I thought that was kind of funny. Victor, Victor. Victor. He's a great guy. Um, he's set up in section, like, 224, I think, right where there's that, those media tables. Uh, hmm. And so if you want to go say hi to Victor, he's there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to. Uh Today, this game, Isaac, was huge and one of the most entertaining basketball games that I think I've ever seen. Super entertaining because this is when, you know, they clicked on all cylinders. I mean, this was the – you knew you needed a game like this. Like, that was one of the things where you knew you needed – there was going to have to be a game. If you're going to beat this heavy star, heavy team in Miami – you're gonna have to. You're gonna need at least one game in this finals to where everybody comes to play. Like you get everything to click together to beat, and it's not like LeBron, Bosh, and Wade, you know, combined for like seventy points or something, uh, which uh, I don't think they did. <laughs> I know LeBron had no. seventeen and Bosh had nineteen. Uh, fifty-nine exactly, actually. Okay, so I mean, it's not like they they all had like twenty five apiece or something, but they you know they did play LeBron. You know, this is probably his best game of the series, and played very well. But yeah, I mean, they all clicked together. But <laughs> before I give LeBron too much credit, it was how they came into the game of him and Wade. Yep, that was the big talk. That, especially as a Mavs fan. If you disliked LeBron before, <laughs> you definitely disliked him then. 
because we already dislike Wade. Yeah, Wade's a Wade's a definite villain uh, for the 2006 finals. But but them coming in and making fun of Dirk uh, for his sickness uh, that just which let me just let me speak to this. Don't don't you dare try to take up for him, Nick. Let me speak for this. If you're gonna make fun of somebody for being sick. Do it the right way. He had a fever. He didn't have a cold. Walking down the hallway coughing. Like, what's the point of that? Okay, okay. I I thought you were getting ready to go. Let me say this. Are we sure they did? Are we? Like, I thought you were going to say No, 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 no. It was 100% that's what it was. Everybody knew that that's what it was. That that has never been questioned, I don't think, whether they were doing it towards Dirk or not. (laughs) Who? who? That's the thing that gets me, though. It's not like you're up 3-1. It's not like you just won the game. Like, you just lost. And especially for somebody like LeBron, you're coming off a game, bro, to where you put up eight points in 46 minutes, but you have the audacity to walk up in this stadium in Dallas and fake cough and make fun of Dirk, who's been torching your butt in the finals. Like, come on, bro. Like, This is what we talked about with with follow-all yesterday is that this is a point in their careers where Dirk and a lot of the guys on this team, Jason Kidd, Tyson Chandler, you know, where they're at the point in their career where they've won stuff and they they know how to win stuff and they've got to the point where they're mature enough to put stuff like that behind them. Now, obviously, we're, you know, we're both bloggers, we're both podcasters, we read into stuff for a living. <laughs> Not for a complete living, but <laughs> that's what we do. And reading into that, you think well, that's not something a champion does. That's not something a mature person does that goes in and is, you know, is respecting his opponent, you know, like respecting your opponent enough to be able to assess them correctly. And I don't think that's what the the Heat did. I don't think they assessed their opponent correctly. And I think that this cough thing, while it was ridiculous and stupid and, and made all the Mavs fans mad, and maybe it was just trash talk or whatever, but it showed an immaturity and it showed the difference between this I guess up and coming. LeBron is still only twenty five in this series, uh, so he's just you know entering his prime. A uh, LeBron's prime has been his entire career, but you know he's just entering like his you know IQ prime, and uh, and Dirk who was you know in the in the middle of it even towards the end of it where he had you know been he's in it <laughs> and he's mature in that sense, and so I think it, it just separated them even more. That that's a stupid thing that I'm going to read far, too far into, but I think it mattered. No, 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 it's not reading too far into it because it does matter. I mean, that's that's something like if if you are going to do something like that, which there's no place ever for it, this would make like if you showed somebody footage of this of them walking in and they're making fun of Dirk being sick from the previous game, an average fan or somebody that didn't know what's going on, they would probably be like, "Oh, okay, are these guys up three three nothing? Yeah, are they, like are these guys just like." And, you know, if they're making fun of the other person's star player, you know, they must seem like, you know, they're, but they're tied. Like they just lost and the series is tied and you choose to do that in Dallas. Like, yeah, not even in your own arena. Maybe they just saw American Airlines and got confused, but, <laughs> uh, but so, yeah, I mean, that was, uh, no, th- no, you know what they saw? They saw Eric Dampier on the end of the bench and they got confused. That's what happened. They got confused with Dampier. But yeah, I mean that was uh that took it to a different level and but Dallas started off super hot at the beginning of the game. I don't know, I can't remember back then this, you know, this was a little while ago. I can't remember if that came out before the game. Like did they talk about it? I can't I I didn't it, see them talking about it during the broadcast, but it was while they were walking in. 
Yeah, yeah. I knew it was when I walked in. I didn't know if it, it came out yet. Yeah, like, like what the timeline was of when it came out. Because I think sure. I started my Twitter and like, I looked. I actually looked this up today when I created a Twitter account, and it was uh, in 2009. And oh, dang. You're early. <laughs> and I'm like, why did I start this in 2009? But, it, you know, obviously it was nowhere near what it is now. Obviously, if, if this happened in today, we would know, we would have known about this before tip-off. But I'm pretty sure, I could be wrong, listeners can correct me if I'm wrong, I'm pretty sure this didn't come out until after the game, that they did this coming into the game. Yeah, because even, like, I saw a little bit of the preview stuff, and I didn't see them talking about it at all. And you'd think that they would talk about it during the game. You'd think that they would bring that back. That's a clip that they would bring back that Mike Brain would talk about. Jeff Van Gundy would be like, no, it would be Mark Jackson. That's ridiculous. You're tied in this series. You just lost. You didn't score in the fourth quarter. Mark Jackson. So, all right, I'm going to let you, let before we get into, like, the game, like, the play-by-play stuff, I'll just let you go on this. J.J. Barea scored the exact same amount of points as LeBron James. Go. <laughs> I actually don't have a ton to say about LeBron in this game. Um, we talked about but, it a lot yesterday. Yeah, and, you know, I've bashed him a lot, and people know how I feel about LeBron. And But, like, this – I mean, he played a, a good overall game. Uh, he did put up a triple-double in this game, uh, which is impressive. Anytime you put up a triple-double in the finals is impressive. Finals, but yeah. uh, But they did lose weight, and – I think they still for a little while, yeah. LeBron, you know, he's, he he still played 46 minutes. I think, you know, when you say somebody put up a triple-double, and I feel like this is not – I don't think this is a non- or a LeBron hater type of comment, but even in his triple-double, I think he should have did more. And as far as, like, the scoring-wise. Yeah, because that's what they needed. Wade, yeah, especially with Wade going out with his hip thing. Um but he didn't, and he still put up an impressive stat line. So I, you know, I can't. He played a decent game. He didn't hit a three, so whatever with that. But yeah, but at, that, at that point in his career, and still now, he's not really known for hitting threes. It's not really something he was good at. Yeah, but he didn't. But he only had two free throw attempts too, which was another thing that I noted that was he's not being aggressive. Um, the pace of this game was interesting to me. the The pace was eighty six point four. I know you don't care for like the advanced stats and stuff, but. The pace was it is in paces uh how many um oh dang it. Yeah, tell tell all <laughs> the pace was eighty six and they, they ended up both scoring over a hundred points. So to me that's like I don't know, that they were just hitting shots. To me that just shows that they were really efficient because the pace the was execution super, level. Yeah, the pace wasn't super fast. This is just a really well executed game, is what I was trying to say. <laughs> it really I, defines the if we, if you picked out like three words to describe this Mavs team, especially on this playoff run and in the finals, execution would be one of those words for me. Yeah, and it was both teams though, because both teams this is the this was the only the second time that a team had scored more than hundred points. <laughs> both teams did it because sure. they just had they'd just been slogs the first couple of games. They just been real defensive battles. Uh, they started with Berea, Kid, Marion, Dirk, and Tyson again, and then the same lineup for the uh, the Heat: Bibby, Wade, LeBron, Bosh, Joel, Anthony. And Bede's brother. And uh, Deshaun Stevenson had his knee drained between games four and five. I had forgotten about that. But remember when guys – I feel like that doesn't happen as much now. But remember Andrew Bynum had to have his knee drained. Kobe had his knee drained at one point, like, in between finals games. Yeah. It became like the uh, the equivalent of, like, getting oxygen in football <laughs> on the side. Yeah. Something. Yeah. It was like something that just happened all the time. Uh, 
Brendan Haywood was out in this game, and then Marion also had a calf injury. That Don't you dealing. just say Brendan Haywood? You address him as all-time Maverick Brendan Haywood. Let me just hit my head against my desk real quick. <laughs> Gosh. But we got some intel. Shout out to our man, uh, Lance. We got some intel maybe that Josh Josh Howard's going to be on that team soon. So We'll maybe. see. We'll see. Just some intel. I don't know if it, I don't know if it's 100%. Lance will probably tweet me now and be like, it's 100%. Okay. So, Marion had a calf injury uh, that he was dealing with as well. Um, he still played 34 minutes and was, was fairly good in this game. Not as much, you know, didn't give as much offensively. Um, and LeBron, in the first couple minutes of this game, I noted, uncontested floater, air ball, and they said that he was quote-unquote fouled. And uh, <laughs> to me, that just sort of set off the game. If LeBron's going to miss a floater that's uncontested and he got fouled not on his arm, like his shooting arm, he got fouled like somewhere lower in the body. I don't, I don't know. If, I don't really think it was a foul, but that just started off the game for me. And then uh, Brian Cardinal and, and Jet came in pretty early, like um, before the five-minute mark in the first um, and came in. And then Brian Cardinal came in and took the, took the charge, took the charge and Wade went out. I mean that that was a huge play, and I don't know if you have the amount of minutes that Le- that Wade missed. Uh, I don't have it wrote down. Well, but. let's see. He was out. Um, that happened around the five minute mark, and a little after the five minute mark of the first quarter, and he didn't end up starting the second half. He was out still then, and then he was back in at least for the fourth. Because he still played, he still played thirty four minutes. Yeah, so he didn't he didn't miss a ton of time, but he had been playing like forty minutes, like LeBron had been playing. So he he probably ended up missing total probably about six, maybe seven minutes of of like actual playing time that he normally would have. Hmm. And maybe in so, this game, since it was a big game, he would have played more than that. So he might have missed about ten minutes. Yeah, so he had his just kind of big. Know, he had his Willis Reed, Paul Pierce moment of mm-hmm. really soaking it in and laying down on the, on the sidelines and he went back to the locker room and came back out and that Paul know. Pierce that Paul Pierce situation was one of the most frustrating moments of my childhood. I had a pretty good childhood, but that was that the was wheelchair. Not, gosh, just what an idiot. Um I still don't yeah. follow Paul Pierce on Twitter. That's like the one NBA player I won't follow. You won't do it. But yeah, so Wade came back, he played the rest of the game, but really I mean the story of this game if you if you try to put and I thought about doing this, I should have went back and did it. If you try to put like a, a little slogan with each game, you know, with game two being like the comeback and yeah. you know, like last you four know, game, was the four was the fever game. Yeah, the fever game. You know, this game would this game would be the whatever you want to say, like the full squad game, you know, the everyone ticks game. Because you have five people in double figures for Dallas. Yeah, and kid Nowitzki, Nowitzki, Chandler, Berea, Terry, and Marion with eight. So yeah, and that and that's what I was going to mention too. Like you've seen a lot of these games, and even throughout the playoffs, that if if another Maverick or the next Maverick after Dirk to and scoring is normally Marion is your is normally Tricks at you know the second or third leading scorer. And Marion wasn't even one of the five players in double figures. We no. got double figures out of Tyson and, and like you said, in Kid, but Berea, you know, Berea was a huge one, you know, putting up seventeen points in this game. He was a huge spark. I mean, just that that move we talked about it a lot last last game because Carlisle made that move last game by taking Deshaun Stevenson out, inserting JJ into the starting lineup. 
and that was just a huge it was a huge move and it proved once again the right move uh but jet jet had a big game off the bench i mean he was the second as always jet was so consistent with this scoring this series and yeah that's this is why another reason I mean, he put up 21 in this game and he's yeah. so beloved in dallas he had a lot of really good passes too. He had six assists in this game. Uh, he was tied for the top with uh, with Kid for most assists on the team, but uh, he had just some really good assists. And I think that when we mentioned the the switch for JJ Bray and Deshaun Stevenson, I think the thing to to point out, the thing that's important about that is you bring in Deshaun Stevenson when you need defense and when you need um, you know somebody like a three and D guy kind of guy. That's what you get from Deshaun Stevenson. But that wasn't the problem really in this series because. Those guys are going to score no matter what, you know. Like even if Deshaun was on him, you know, like the only thing I think getting in LeBron's way was his own head. I don't know if there's a LeBron stopper. Like people, you know, laud, you know, Deshaun Stevenson as a LeBron stopper, and we and I talked about it with him on the podcast a couple episodes ago about guarding LeBron. And people say Marion was a you know a LeBron stopper too, and he was good on LeBron. But the only thing stopping LeBron, in my opinion, is himself. And I think that's what what happened in this. You disagree, but I do. I think Kawhi Leonard is the closest to that but when you bring in Berea you need some offense and you needed to flow and you needed to move and and before they they did that and they had you know he had been playing but when the Berea comes into the game I think I talked about this with Falwell too he just like he's just oil into the in the gears you know and he just comes in and things just start moving and happening it just seems like everything's faster when he comes in um, I, li- in the, I like that in the analogy. execution the yeah he's, that's just kind of what he's like and and Falwell attributed that to how he's been around the system for a long time and that's just kind of how he plays and you know so now and we i talked to edgar a couple of weeks ago uh, the uh communications director for berea's team in puerto rico and that's how he tries to play that's how he tries to coach his team down there lots of movement lots of passes you know just fluid like really you know moving the basketball a lot and uh, that's just what jj is all about and so he comes in he has 17 points five assists he was four of five from three he had the most threes in the game Char- chalmers had four as well but Still, just, man, for J.J. Barea to come in and have that kind of impact, that's what you need in the finals. That's what you need. You need guys like that that yeah. don't normally to come in and give you something different. You need Adela Vadova like the, like the Cavs had. You know, you need like a, somebody just to come in and uh, and give you something huge. I, I want to acknowledge Jason Kidd also. And I know when we talk about this team and we do talk about, hey, Kidd and, and Jet, and we talk about Tyson, you know, pretty much Dirk and the supporting cast. Kid played 40 minutes in this game. But here's my thing. Yeah, and like, I made a note with this. Kid is 37 years old. Like, when we think about players in the league right now, I should have looked like Dirk was up, that old last year. Yeah, like, I mean, like, think about Gosh. players. If they're if they're 37 years old in, in the league, you're looking at, like, the Kurt Thomases. You're looking at the Kevin Willises. They're on the bench, and they're just the veteran guy. Like, yeah. They're just like the Kendrick veteran Perkins now. Or, you know, yeah, like they're just the veteran voice. Jason Kidd was the starting point guard. He put up forty minutes, played forty minutes in this game, had and thirteen sh- points, six assists, and a plus plus minus a plus thirteen in the he finals. Had three three steals, a block. He shot sixty seven percent from the field, sixty percent from three, and a hundred percent from the free throw line. At thirty seven years old, playing on the all those highest minutes. stage. Uh, yeah, playing forty minutes. There's only eight minutes of this game that he didn't play in. And I'll get to it later, but there was a, a, a three that he hit that just iced it that I think was a big game changer for him. Um, one thing that I noted in this, so, uh, the first the first half of the first four games, uh, Miami had shot 43% from the field, and Dallas had shot 41.5%. 
In the first half of this game, Miami shot 60% and Dallas shot 64%. (laughs) Like This was just a completely different game than what they had played before. And then during halftime, Mike Brain did a live read for a – for an NBA thing that I thought was really funny, the Stats Cube. You remember NBA Stats no. Cube? <laughs> That's what they used to call like their stats page. They would call it Stats Cube, NBA Stats Cube. And I was like, what? Wow. What's the point of calling it Cube? And then uh, Jeff Van Gundy said, uh, "I want a DVD of every shot Dirk's ever made. That would, that would just be the best DVD." <laughs> <laughs> He's talking about how pure of a, of a shooter he is. I just thought that was hilarious. I mean, Jeff Van Gundy also said in this game, uh, this is one of the greatest games he's ever witnessed. Yeah, and he said that towards the end. I thought that was it was, was big, uh, that guy's was, been around a lot of basketball. And it was, I mean, it was, I mean, it was a super entertaining game. I mean, it, it might not have been a you know the last second shot as game two yeah, or even. Yeah. You know, game four, but like, like the finals when Kyrie hit that game winner, you know, like that yeah. is, a, you know, a game. But That's nuts. Yeah. But yeah, so, this uh, game. There's another stat that they, they flashed up there um, LeBron's free throws per round. Uh oh. In the first round, 10. In the conference semis, 8.5. In the uh, conference finals, just about 9, just under 9. In the finals, LeBron averaged at this point, so so just about halfway through, you know, five games, three and a half free throws. Hmm. Dang, that's a big difference. That's huge. That let's tells all, me that tells me a lot about what you're do, what you're doing and what you're trying to do as a player. Let's also look at the centers that he played throughout the playoffs too. <laughs> he played the Sixers, which I can't even tell you who the center was. Elton Brand was Elton probably Brand, was a four. He was a four. He played Boston in round two, which, I mean, I, you know, Kevin Garnett was at the four. Most Spates. Most Spates and Spencer Hawes were their, big, were their fives. Okay. That'll tell you. So, the, so then Boston, you get KG, which, I mean, yeah, but I don't know later. If, I don't know if Perkins was there at that point. Later in his career, KG. And then you get. Uh, who Perkins was there? wasn't there because they had Jeff Green. So it was not, okay. it was not like a. Good defensive center, KG. I guess he has. And then you get you get Noah, which yeah, okay, I'll give you that. But not Tyson Chandler. But not Tyson Chandler, and that has that had to play into his mindset of driving the paint. Yeah, and just the fact that he wasn't efficient, and just the yeah, you know, he he had shots too at the rim that he just missed, like that floater at the beginning of the game that I noted, you know, shot that he could have just taken straight to the rim. Instead, he tried to float it, airballed it. Yeah. Uh, they also did an ad for Combat Hospital, which is a TV show, and I just it just reminded me of all the random stupid ABC shows that they've ever done. <laughs> like all those shows that get made. Like, what was Combat Hospital about? People worked on that. That was somebody's like dream work, and they just <laughs> it just probably got trashed. I don't know. Nope. I just, I just find that random and funny. Uh, at halftime, Dallas was up 60-57. to 57. Dallas was shooting 66% from the field at halftime, which is crazy. And Tyson Chandler did the interview with Doris Burke. Still no LeBron with Doris. They, um, shot, they, shot, they, they put up 60 points in the first half and shot 60% from, from three-pointer in three quarters. Yeah, yeah, 60 points for Dallas. Uh, in the first half of um, games one through four, Dallas averaged 45 and a half points and Miami averaged 47 points. Mm. Um, Dallas had Miami had always. L- no, no, that's a later stat. That was the fourth quarter. 
Um, but Miller, Mike Miller started instead of Wade in the second half, and Wade wasn't even on the bench at that point. And then they go to Doris Burke, and she, she kept saying things like, if he does come back, and we're not sure if he's going to come back. And like it just seemed like he was not going to play. It, it seemed like he was out. Mm. Yeah, I mean, that. I mean, no one knew, knew how, you know, how, not really important. What's the word I'm looking for? How bad. No, how just, severe it was. Yeah, how severe, how severe Wade's injury was because we just saw him walk off the court and they were talking about it. everybody knew it was his hip but he eventually did come back <laughs> uh in the third quarter with eight just about just under nine minutes to go lebron had 11 points six rebounds six assists uh and so basically in a quarter he had um eight points four rebounds four assists which i thought was pretty good in the third quarter but <laughs> didn't help him in the fourth at all because he didn't score no, the fourth oh. quarter was another Mavericks. I mean, it feels like it happened every yeah, game. Yeah, it feels like we're saying the same thing. Uh, but when Wade was on the bench, Jeff Van Gundy said something interesting. Uh, Miami is better without Wade than the team LeBron left in Cleveland. <laughs> Which I think is 100% true. You at least have Bosch and Haslam and Mario Oh, for Chalmers. sure, yeah, yeah. I mean, you have Bosch. I mean, Bosch is a... That just makes it better, like, 100%. Which is... And then that made me think about Kevin Durant. And it made me think that... I think LeBron leaving Cleveland was more justified than Kevin Durant leaving OKC. Even though people will look at LeBron's and criticize his move more because of the way he did it. But I think looking at the team LeBron had, good lord, I would have left too. Like <laughs> just doing everything. Like imagine in your job and imagine everybody else sucks. Now it, it's probably true for some of you. Some of you it's probably not true, but that's the way you think. But Imagine just everybody else is terrible at their job, and you have to like pick up the slack, and you're got you consistently get you know higher numbers than you should. Like that's kind of the way Cleveland was. Whereas like Kevin Durant actually had real players like Serge Ibaka and Russell Westbrook, and you know even Perkins, and you know say what you want about him, and you know Harden at some point, and they had you know like Reggie Jackson was pretty good for them at some point. Like they had a bunch of players. You know Stephen Adams was pretty good for them. Steven Adams might have been better than any player that LeBron played with in Cleveland, besides Junior <laughs> Solgowskis, but he was towards the end of his career. Don't disrespect um, Larry, Larry Hughes. Just crazy. And Booby Gibson. Sorry, Booby. Uh, yeah, but just crazy. That I just ra- randomly thought about that. Um, so we're uh, – Doris Burke interviewed um, Rick Carlisle at the end of the third – uh-uh. And uh, it was Dallas was up eighty four to seventy nine, and she said, "What's the key to getting stops in the fourth? And he just said, "Activity," and that was it. <laughs> Classic activity. Uh, oh, and this was the stat I was going to mention earlier. Miami had led going into the fourth quarter of every single game up until this point. So all four games, games one through four, they had led, um, and this time Dallas did. So it seemed just like a complete shift. Um, Wade had twelve free throws in twenty five minutes. Hmm. Twelve free throw attempts. Thought that was pretty big. Uh, LeBron got his triple double with five minutes and forty one seconds left. Um, so in that span, mm-hmm. he got that that those stats right there. Um, it was just after that Dallas went on their run. The final yep. four mm-hmm. four twenty three of you know left in the fourth corner. Then we had the classic Dallas run. They went on a seventeen to four run to to end the game. And this this game was the first time a team broke 100. I, I misspoke earlier, but yeah, this was the first game, so it was just a completely different game. Uh, there was a there was a play that I, I noted as well that Dallas was down two. Um, this was with about five minutes and thirty seconds left, 
in the game. Um, Dirk turns the ball over. He tried to pass it to Tyson, and Tyson was supposed to cut down the lane. Dirk was on the right side of the key. Tyson was about at the free throw line. He was supposed to cut into the lane, and he didn't, and so Dirk threw it away. And Dirk got right up into his face and was just like, come on, and clapping and just like, you know, telling him basically what he should have been doing at that point. And uh, that's just leadership from Dirk. That's just, you know, Dirk, he doesn't do that a lot. Like, I don't know if I saw him do that one time last year. <laughs> Did you? So there's, like, a, there's a couple of times. I don't know. He'll get up in somebody's face, but he'll he'll yell. <laughs> he'll yell across to somebody, and he'll he'll get animated. <laughs> uh, but it also shows the the trust in teammates too. Because I mean, how many people in the league is going to get in Tyson's face? <laughs> how many humans are ever going to get? In Tyson's and it face? and it be okay, you know? Yeah. Uh, this was the point of the game where I thought that it was the turning point, and I thought this was the turning point of the entire series as well. Um, because this is still tied. Like this is still they're tied. So this game they're tied at a hundred, and they're tied at two games apiece. So with three twenty left, they're tied at a hundred. Kid was guarding LeBron. LeBron took a jumper instead of trying to go to the basket. And he missed it. And then on the other end, Dirk got a baseline dunk that was just like an emphatic dunk, which we never see anymore. <laughs> but I remember that dunk. He dunked on the baseline, two handed dunk, and then they. Uh, uh, LeBron ran into Tyson on the other end, caused an offensive foul. The crowd is just going crazy. Let's go Mavs. Let's go Mavs. Uh, Dallas is up two with two minutes left. And uh, to me, that was just a sequence. That was, those are back-to-back-to-back-to-back plays that completely changed it because it took all the air out of Miami with the offensive foul, with LeBron's missed jumper, with Dirk's dunk, and then the crowd just you know, going crazy, like going, let's go Mavs. Yeah, it's funny you, be, you mentioned the crowd because – there's a couple points in that game that you get super excited. I get so jealous because I wish I was at the game. And yeah, shout just, out to the, the the listeners that have been tweeting us that said that they are at those games. Shout out to them. Yeah, for real, man. It that super jealous of all of you guys. But the the chant you hear so much is "Beat the Heat." Yeah, and that was a you lot. Just this hear game echoing throughout the arena of beat the heat and you just get pumped for, you know for it and especially this game because it just felt like so much was going in and Dallas you know it's really funny because when you look up headlines to this game and you look up you know different like recaps or whatever a lot of the headlines or at least some of them I've seen were Dallas sinks 13 threes and beats Miami you know like because like back then you know thirteen still 13 still a lot but like I mean, there's games no, where it's not a lot. Curry has hit 13 threes himself in a game. It's like Steph and them attempting like 20 a game right now, just on their own. But yeah, Steph you know, and like Clay attempt 30 a game or t- attempt 20 a game themselves. So yeah, so you know Dallas went 68 percent from three, and they hit 13 of 19, and I mean that was just huge for them. That was the if they if I had to pick one stat each game, that would be the stat in this game because it it did feel like you had this feeling that any three that they put up, it was going in. It was going in for sure. At, with a minute a minute and a half left, Jet has a drive and kick, which was just an awesome pass. I mean, he drove he drove and then the kick was not to his left or right; it was almost behind him. Kid was at the top of the key, and Jet had to run in, and he knew that he was going to pass because he. he he drove into the lane, turns around and passes it back to Kid. He knew he was right there. Kid hits the three. Timeout Miami. The kid hits a three. And this is what we were talking about with Kid earlier. Kid had played just about 40 minutes at that point. 
40 minutes. He had been playing the entire playoffs. He's 37 years old, and he has the legs to hit that three right there and to hit it pretty nicely. Miami calls a timeout. Mavs at this point, like you said, were on a 10-to-1 run. And then the beat the heat chant was just like drowning everything, (laughs) just completely drowning everything. Then after the timeout, Miami had a turnover. Marion missed the layup. Um, Tyson blocks Wade with a minute left. And just that just set everybody off too. Then uh, LeBron. So there's a minute left. We're we're getting, we're getting down to it. And LeBron passes to Bosch and Bosch got fouled by Tyson. He splits the free throws. So now it's Dallas one Oh five, Miami one Oh one with less than a minute to go. And during this, during this like stoppage of play, this was when the crowd was really funny to me because it was half beat the heat and half let's go Mavs. And it was like, beat, let's go Mavs. <laughs> like, it was just like half and half. Then Jet hits a three and just, ugh. <laughs> it, was, it was like Mavericks orgasm at that point. Miami, Dallas is now up 108 to 101. Uh, 30 seconds left. It looks pretty much over. LeBron, LeBron got a layup and then Kid. Uh, was fouled, hit his free. It was intentionally fouled, hits the free throws. Wade misses a shot. Jed gets fouled. Game ends. Uh, man, <laughs> it was huge. It was great. Oh, at the end, LeBron, uh, Bosch missed a three. Jet gets the rebound, and then the Mavs win. But gosh, massive, massive. We didn't even talk. We didn't talk about Dirk too much. He had twenty nine points in this game. <laughs> we did. Yeah. It was ten for ten from the line. Classic Dirk, and you know this. Is- it's just another it was another game in this series that was decided late and you know yeah, when still. I was looking up recaps this was in these two stats was in the ESPN recap from from back then it said games 2 to 4 were decided by 3 points or fewer that hadn't happened in the championship round since 1948 and then it wow. says the first 4 games of the series were determined by a total of 15 points this was the fewest since a 12-game difference between the Celtics and Lakers in the 1969 Finals. Dang. So, I mean, it just it just shows historic. that, yeah, I mean, it wasn't, obviously it wasn't like it was this year, but it was historic, and it was a super fun series to watch because it was so close, and these fourth quarters were just instant classics. It felt like every single game. Yeah. Instant classic, and we hope that this pod is an instant classic. Guys, thank you so much for listening to these. Uh, we're going to talk to Victor Vialba now. But first of all, I just wanted to say to everybody that's in Houston, you know, our thoughts and our prayers go out to you. Uh, I was in the hurricane in Orlando back in October. I was there visiting family. We got stuck there for an extra four days. <laughs> and uh, so we were there during Hurricane Matthew. It's a scary thing. Uh, my wife could not sleep. She was just you know so terrified of it. And so if anybody's stuck there, if they you know, don't have the means to get out, or if you're, you know, worried if your business or if your, you know, house is still going to be there when you get back, you know, it's a scary thing. So our thoughts and prayers go out to you, especially, uh, I know one of our listeners, Jack is down there. He's, uh, he's helping doing some emergency relief down there. So if anybody else is down there, guys, just shout out to you. Um, you know, our thoughts and prayers go out to you guys and your family in Houston. I know there's a lot of listeners in Houston, so. Yeah, I was going to say the same thing with, and Nick just said it with Jack, shout out to Jack. He, he sent us a tweet today and, thanked us for the podcast and said he is working emergency operations in Houston and uh, it helps him uh, with his job also. So shout out to you guys. Y'all are, y'all are the real ones. Y'all are working this thing, helping keep people safe and rescuing people. Uh, if you are in harm's way, get in your car, drive away and put on locked on masks for like six hours. 
Yeah, that's what we, that's what these are for. You're supposed to be able to binge them. So, <laughs> guys, thank you so much for joining us, and uh, let's talk to Victor Vialba. And now, insurance-minded speeches from Geico. Hardship. My grandmother would go through it every month to pay her insurance bill. First, she would handwrite a paper check in cursive. Then, using her own tongue, she would wet a stamp for an envelope. Today, however, we need not weary our hands and tongues. Today, we can pay our Geico bill with the Geico app. Away with hardship, in with bill pay on the Geico app. Thank you. And joining me now on the Locked On Mavericks podcast is the Spanish radio announcer of the Mavericks and the Dallas Cowboys, Victor Vialba. Victor, thanks so much for joining us. Hey, Nick. How's it going? Good to talk to you again. And once again, great being on on your world-famous, internationally known, universally appreciated podcast. Universally appreciated in the Twitter sphere, maybe, but outside, <laughs> of, outside of that. Uh, yeah, Victor has come on the podcast before uh, on the Mavs Fanatic podcast, and then we had a little change, and now we're at the Lockdown Mavericks podcast. So we go, we go way back, at least the, at least the whole season, right? Absolutely. <laughs> and uh, Victor showed me the ropes and uh, helped me out my first year. But today we are continuing our 2011 NBA Finals flashback. We are talking about the the finals that went down. We've been going through all the games, and so we talked about Game One, Two, Three. This is Game. This would be the Game Five podcast. Um, but let's just talk to Victor about his you know his entire you know experience. And you were at all you were at the all the finals games, correct? Yeah, in fact, I was there from uh, the series in Portland, and then that magical moment of sweeping the Lakers who had been chanced twice in a row. They were looking for the three-peat. Well, it wasn't going to happen at 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 the (laughs) American Airlines Center, just like it uh, perhaps never had happened at the reunion arena. But anyway, uh, and then off to Oklahoma City where they were able to uh, stifle them and move on to to the finals, once again meeting the Miami Heat as they had in 2006 in a very frustrating finale there in uh, in in Miami and then a game six in Dallas at the American Airlines Center and that of course in 2006 were you calling all of these games yes yeah I, I, I've, I've been around uh, enough to have been at both uh, at both finals and uh, I gotta tell you it's it's quite the experience because it seems like uh, the whole world of the NBA is you know while while there's games during the entire season, and there's several games going on at once. Uh, you know, you see the you see the amount of, of media people and attention in each one of the games. But when it's the finals, it almost seems like everyone that normally would be in other cities covering the NBA, either a game last night or tonight or tomorrow night, converge in one place, and it gets pretty crazy. What's the prep like covering a uh, or calling a finals game? Well, I mean, it's it's not it's not any different than any other game from the standpoint of of uh, knowing if if certain guys are are uh, going to be out and how that affects this particular team, how it affects the Mavericks or their or their rival. Uh, just being you know aware of what's what's going on surrounding the team, and then just letting things happen as as the game progresses. Uh, basketball is is a sport that. Uh, really doesn't require much analysis from the standpoint of, you know, these guys are are incredible athletes and it's yeah. it's not like all of a sudden, you know, they lose the strike zone or or they just can't seem to, 
keep their hands on the ball, fumbling or, uh, you know, that type of thing. I mean, it, it, these guys uh, don't miss very often. So you just kind of let the game uh, take you along and just make sure you're on your team for anything crazy that could happen. Uh, leading up to the, the finals and going through the playoffs and calling all of those games, were you surprised that the Mavericks made it all the way back? Yeah, especially 2011. I mean, 2011, uh, uh, you know, hey, give us the Mavericks in the first round. I mean, we would like, <laughs> yeah. to, we'd like to have that. And, and uh, we recall that uh, the Mavericks were the third seed because they faced the sixth seed in Portland. So, I mean, there was a bit of a, of a moment there of, uh, you know, they're going to make the playoffs. How far can they go and, and what can they get done? Uh, it was a moment there where, uh, you know, the, the, the Mavericks of that particular year, they, uh, you know, they, they brought in, you know, Sasa Popovich with two 10-day contracts. Uh, they had Peja Stojakovic in January. They brought him along. Uh, you know, Dominic Jones was uh, – was traded on draft day and he kind of fizzled out there a little bit. Uh, so there were, there were a lot of, a lot of moving parts that year from the standpoint of Karan Butler. Uh, you may recall he got hurt in Milwaukee on January 1st and he was out the rest of the season. So there, there, there were a lot of question marks with this particular team moving into that, into that finals of 2011, the 2010, 2011 season. But boy, did they get, uh, did they get on fire, especially after, blowing that 23-point lead in Portland, and then, uh, you know, coming back and winning that series, and then really uh, not even be able to celebrate sweeping the Lakers, the hated Lakers, in four games yeah. to move on to the, you know, to the conference finals. Uh, so it was, it was one, of those, uh, one of those moments of, uh, wow, this is really happening, and, and uh, hey, off to, off to Miami, and, and uh, you know, history will tell us what, exactly what happened. And we will continue to tell that story as we continue to tomorrow's podcast, which is Game 6, where you'll find out if the Mavericks did, in fact, win. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, exactly. So, uh, so yeah, it was, uh, it was very exciting. It was a very exciting moment, uh, you know, being able to, uh, to call these games and be, in my own way, part of, of this uh, history-making run was, uh, was very exciting. Yeah, what were what was the arena like? Both, I mean, they're both the American Airlines. One's a center and one's arena. But talk to yeah. me about the uh, what it was like in Miami compared to what it was like in, in Dallas. Because on TV, at least, it seemed like it was louder in Dallas than it was in you know in Miami. Yeah, you know, Miami is a is a, is a peculiar community. There's uh, there's a lot of energy there. There's uh, there's that Caribbean vibe. Uh, you know, people live in the sun, and and it's one of these places that the uh, the, the weather is paradise. You know, they have that, uh, yeah. that coconut grove and South beach and all that stuff where all the beautiful people go and, and take their time. I mean, it, 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 it is, it is a pretty eclectic crowd when it comes to, to being in, in the, in the American airlines arena, uh, in Miami, because it's almost like people are there to be seen from the standpoint of, uh, you know, it's, it's there, there is a certain amount of, of cachet of being there and, uh, and that that particular type of environment, uh, you can tell that tickets to the finals. I mean, only only the uh, you know the, the certain elites can get in, get get tickets and get in. Uh, and it seemed to me that the crowd was a, a little more subdued than it was uh, 
for the Mavericks at the American Airlines Center because it seemed like, you know, the Mavericks, uh, it, it seemed to me that, that with LeBron and, and, and Dwayne Wade, uh, and Chris Bosch, there was a sort of feeling of expectation yeah. of 2006 where they had Shaq and a whole different crew for 2011. It was almost like we got this. And <laughs> yeah. you could feel that. And when it, when, when the series was in Dallas, there was more of a, we need to help the team get this. And it was just, there was a lot more energy, uh, from that standpoint as far as, uh, as far as the American Airlines Center versus the arena. Walking around and driving around the city, what was it like in Miami? Was that sense of expectation and stuff still there? As far, you know, and comparing to you know, being in Dallas and saying, "Man, this is an older team. We might not be back here." Uh, you know, not not really, not really. I mean, it's it's almost like uh, you know the table was set and uh, everyone was just sitting back waiting to see what was going to happen. Uh, you know, there was uh, there were people talking basketball, but but I I. I it is very different from, say, a Super Bowl than it is an NBA Finals. It, it almost like a Super Bowl. It, it seems like people who aren't even familiar with football are talking about the Super Bowl being in town. Yeah. And with the, with the NBA Finals, I mean, people need to be in the know uh, to be able to to really, you know, be wanting to talk about it to to get uh, you know down to the you know, to the uh, sixth man, seventh man, how's it going to go down, that type of thing. I mean, really, you know, the X's and O's talk. So uh, it seems like, you know, a Super Bowl is more encompassing of a town. And because people have an expectation that it's going to be there regardless, you know, it's not like the home team is going to be playing there. But but with uh, with basketball, you just have no idea. So when it comes upon you, it's like, uh, hey, this is great. But it's more it's more conducive to to the basketball fans coming out and really, really reveling in that rather than a real generalized thing in town. Yeah. And obviously we're in Texas. We, we, we understand the territory. We know where we are. I mean, there was a 30 for 30 the other night I heard uh, about what was just about uh, the Carter football team, the high school football team and how big they were. And just like thinking about, yeah. you know, would a high school basketball team ever reach that level of, you know, people knowing who they are and walking around and getting free meals and stuff like that. And I'm just thinking, man, football in Dallas is just massive. And the little, the short time that I've lived here, I just come to know that even more. Um, Yeah. Yeah. And especially that piece that you talk about the 30 for 30, what Carter lost. Right. Yeah. Very powerful piece. I mean, it's, uh, it's, you know, it's not based on a true story. It is a true, a true story. And that's, what's really chilling about, you know, this, uh, the sense of entitlement that these young men had. And as you go through that story, you realize just, just how, uh, you know, things can change on, you know, on, on a dime. Uh, but yeah, you going back to what you're saying. Yeah. Football is certainly Friday night lights and all that other stuff. And college football in Texas is, is pretty big, but, uh, but you know, basketball has its, has its place too. Uh, it's just, it seems that, uh, the, the crowds for basketball, the, and the fandom for basketball is 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 more more uh, uh, I guess more specialized to to know what they're you know what the, what they're looking for as far as uh, any level of basketball. What are you going to remember most about this this final series in 2011? Uh, as far as the finals or just, just the playoffs? The final the final series. Well, I, I mean, you know, certainly clock goes to zeros, and you say, "Hey, Dallas Fort Worth." Those Mavericks son campeones de la NBA, you know, you're getting excited about it, and 
you know, it's uh, it, it, it truly is a, a moment to behold, especially doing it there, especially what, after what happened in 2006, you know, going into the to the locker room and high-fiving guys like Dirk and, and Peya and giving uh, Jason Kidd a big hug and, you know, just uh, in my own way being recognized as part of the team. Uh, and then, uh, you know, getting on the plane the next day. I didn't go to that big celebration at the – at the Fountain Blue, because I just, you know, I'm I'm really not big on, on big crowds, and I just felt like I would really get lost in the shuffle, so I just really wasn't too interested in that. But getting on the plane the next day and, you know, fist-pumping guys like J.J. and and uh, Dirk, you know, big smile when I got on the plane because he was, like, in the very first row. <laughs> yeah. You know, it, it was just it was just really exciting. It was exciting. And then uh, having a picture taken with the with the trophy on the plane on the way back. Then uh, all these people that were there waiting for the Mavericks and a water cannon shooting shooting water into the sky and I, I mean it, it was just really it was real special. You knew you were living a moment that uh, was fleeting, but yet you just really wanted to to enjoy it as much as you could. I mean the celebration certainly wasn't wasn't for uh, for me obviously, but uh, but just being able to at least be part of it in the in the way that I was and calling the games in Spanish and those fans that. That followed the broadcast and stayed stayed with the broadcast to the very end. I mean, it was it was a really exciting time. Yeah. What was Dirk saying to people as he as you were walking out of the plane uh, after that when you guys were flying? Back? Oh, he he was just you know fist bumping and uh, just a big smile and not not anything in particular that comes to mind. Um, I mean, I remember other moments with Dirk uh, when he when he passed Oscar Robertson. Uh, last season, you know, getting off the plane here in Dallas and, you know, kind of sidling up to him, which there's not always this, the opportunity to just get right next to him, just one-on-one and say something to him. And I was like, uh, wow, Oscar Robertson, that is, that's just fantastic, Dirk. Congratulations. And I mean, he put his, he put his arm around me and kind of like walked with me a little bit. And, you know, you could feel the sense of appreciation, but also you could feel of, you know, a very, a very cool moment that uh, that I'm going to remember as long as uh, as long as uh, you know I'm, I'm with the Mavericks and then uh, you know later on when I think about my Maverick days I mean that's going to be one of the moments that was really cool for me because he had the sense of Dirk just being a, at that moment just a regular person appreciating uh, you know that that type of compliment but for the for the finals I mean it, it was just big smiles uh, there wasn't really much said but just. Uh, Big smiles, a lot of high fiving and things like that, which was, which was pretty exciting. I mean, the one awkward moment was giving Deshaun Stevenson a, an embrace, like, uh, "Hey, congratulations!" <laughs> and it was like, it was really weird. It's like, it's all, it was almost like, well, maybe I shouldn't have even done that. I don't know, but, uh, but hey, you know what? Everyone seems to be, seems to be in a giving mood, but, uh, but, uh, but that was that was kind of odd. Yeah, uh, we but, uh, we talked to Deshaun. <laughs> he was the first interview that we did this week. And uh, oh, okay. so I talked to him and I asked him, I said, what do you remember about the, you know, the after party after game six? And he just said nothing. <laughs> really? <laughs> nothing at all. And then I, yeah. I, I poked it again. I said, how much do you remember from, you know, that entire week? And he, the only thing that he kind of remembers was the, uh, the shirt, <laughs> the, the how's my Dirk taste shirt. But yeah, what was he, what was it like being around Deshaun and, you know, some of the guys that, you know, party a little harder than normal. 
Well, you know, the, the, the thing is, uh, you know, when you travel with the Mavericks, it's, it, it's almost like they, they seclude themselves and they get to the hotel and, and they basically disappear. And it's not, it's, it, it's not really, there's not much running into them. From time to time you run into them someplace and, you know, they'll give you a head nod or whatever. But, uh, you know, it, it, in my particular case, you know, it's, it's not like I'm wondering what they're doing or, you know, or, Where's the party yet? Or anything <laughs> like that, you know. So, you know, I, I I'm I try to be, you know, gracious with them, and I try to, you know, be aware that they're there in case they, you know, they decide to, you know, they're going to wave or say hello or something. But, but certainly there is uh, there is that that, um, you know, there there really isn't that opportunity for me to 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 be hanging out with them and things like that. I mean. A couple times, you know, we played cards. A couple times, uh, Dirk was there, and some of the other guys. I think Jason Kidd was playing cards once, uh, and and that that happens. I mean, we watched the in Denver. We watched the Super Bowl at this uh, at this restaurant that uh, Casey Smith arranged for us to be able to have, you know, some food, drink, and uh, be able to watch the game in this in this uh, restaurant. And that was cool because we were all hanging out, and you know, Harrison Barnes was there, and Dirk, and you know, a lot of the a lot of the other folks. Uh, but, uh, but that's not, that's not the usual. That's, uh, you know, those are opportunities that come along. So it's, it's kind of hard to, to really say, you know, what, what, uh, what's going on through their heads from the standpoint of, uh, you know, being involved in such a, such a high profile week. Yeah. I've asked everybody this question. Uh, some people don't like it. Some people really do. <laughs> there's this, okay. there's this narrative out there that the Mavericks won the last Honest Championship. And I guess I should kind of explain that a little bit for people that don't know. Uh, Some people say that, you know, the teams since then have put together these super teams and have, you know, had to buy these players and, you know, bring them in in free agency, whether it's Kevin Durant or this Miami team that went on to win two more, uh, and saying that this was an an Honest Championship because they only had one superstar and that they only had one, you know, star player and that they just surrounded it with role players and, and guys that just all came in and bought into a team instead of, you know, wanting to be about kind of themselves and just being the star players, you know, the star players and then everybody else. Do you think that this was the last honest championship for the Mavericks and for, I guess not for the Mavericks, but was this the last honest championship those won in the NBA? Well, I I mean, you know, there is the instance like in baseball where there is no salary cap when you look at, you know, a team like the Yankees that has a payroll of $220 million or something ridiculous like that. And then you look at the Oakland A's, and you know they have the they have a payroll of sixty million or whatever it may be. I mean, it, it, there is a disparity there, but but I mean the 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 Oakland A's choose to be who they are, and the and the Yankees choose to be who they are, and and I mean not to say that Oakland could be uh, the Yankees, but you know it's it's New York, and and New York is a you know is it's it's a financial center, but it's also a media center. It's a center of you know, of so many different things, and it's it's definitely a sports mecca from the standpoint of uh, you know the, the the amount of money that is there. But but going back to the to to these uh, you know to to an honest to goodness built team uh, that isn't using uh, you know just isn't throwing money at guys to lure them. Uh, you know, when when LeBron decided to go to Miami, he had a plan to to win two, three, four, five championships in a row. Not one. But you know what? It didn't happen. It didn't happen. And then look what happened. LeBron went back to Cleveland. Uh, uh, Dwayne Wade moved on. Chris Bosh 
unfortunately uh, physically can't go anymore. I mean, things change, you know, and, and just because uh, at one time it seems like, you know, like uh, the Golden State Warriors are now the super team and, and, and they've got the, you know, Durant and, and Curry and Thompson and all that. I mean, it, it, it's not a guarantee that they're going to, to win. I mean, it's, it's in their favor, but, you know, that's what sports all about. I mean, it, it, it's not just the guys you field on the court in the field and the diamond. You know, it's the guys that, uh, you know, the guys that are in the offices that are working the phones that are seeing what's available, making moves, uh, bringing, bringing a, a group of guys with chemistry. And obviously, uh, in the case of the Mavericks, you know, the, the dirt window is, is getting to a point where, you know, this might be his last year. So now they're going to have to start figuring, uh, you know, who is the next, not Dirk, because you can't replace a guy like Dirk, but, no. but what's the next direction this team is going in? So, I mean, I, I would not particularly, uh, it's not that I don't want to agree with it because I get the point. I get the point from, from this thing of, uh, uh, I mean, someone was saying I was watching television the other day, and they were they were talking about even high school high school athletes, particularly in basketball, are are sitting there uh, talking to each other. These these very uh, highfalutin high school programs, and they're they're talking to each other at these at these uh, AAU, AAU tournaments. Yeah, tournaments where hey, so where are you going to school? Well, I'm going, I'm thinking here. What are you thinking? And they're colluding almost to go to. <laughs> schools to create some super college teams. And I mean, it all boils down to the same thing in basketball because, you know, a lot of these guys will stick around for one year and before you know it, they're making themselves eligible for the NBA draft. I mean, that's how this operates. So it's, it's just one of those things, you know, teams have to prepare and teams have to, you know, do what they, what, what they can to, you know, to, to get to the playoffs. And once they're in the playoffs, everyone's zero zero and you never really know what's going to happen and that's the beauty of it yeah and i like that you said that you never know what's going to happen with these teams because everybody looks at the warriors and says well they, they're going to be in the finals for the next five years you know nobody else is going to make it well you just never know you just never know what's going to yeah, you know what's going to come know. up and yeah. this was this mavericks team this 2011 team was that like you never know what's going to happen team <laughs> like you said you're oh, su- totally. you surprised to see them back in the the finals and like you just never know what's going to happen you never know if a lakers team that looks like they're going to be back in the the finals if they get swept you know you, ne- you just never know and so there's teams sure. out there that you know, like the Rockets or other teams like that right now that are still building, even though the Warriors are just looming over everybody. And some people laugh at that. And they say, "Well, what's the point of even trying that? Because the Warriors are going to win." Well, you just never know. And this Mavericks team was a the perfect example of that. Yeah, uh, and I mean, in, in 2010, 2011, I mean, one of the one of the critical items of this particular squad was uh, Jason Kidd. I mean, yeah. you know, I go I go back and think about watching Jason Kidd that year, the things that he did and, you know, you just always had a sense that that this guy was really special and the way he he uh, you know, the way he carried himself, the way he was on the court, the way, you know, he managed offenses and then knowing what was going to happen on defense and already thinking about the next uh, the next possession. I mean, it, it was just it was incredible that what you know what what he was doing and working with Dirk and, and then you had uh, Sean Marion you had Deshaun Stevenson uh, you know Karan Butler was uh, was pretty good while while he was around JJ Barea was uh, was amazing as a spark plug and then Tyson Chandler comes along at the beginning of the season 
uh, and all of a sudden he's he's part of the mix. So you know, it, it was it was a magical season, and it's one of those things that uh, uh, you know after the season was over, decisions were made, and uh, you know it wasn't it wasn't like that team uh, was a guaranteed dynasty uh, because yeah. the, it, it it almost it, it almost To where, uh, gosh, it would be—it's kind of like that solar eclipse that happened. I mean, the next <laughs> one that's going to be is who knows when. You know, it, yeah. it's like things have to align themselves, and they did. And once again, to go back to uh, what, what we talked about, you know, in, in going into the playoffs in 2011, they were somewhat of a dark horse. I mean, they weren't really—you know—there wasn't any, anybody, say, you know, saying, "Hey, watch out with the Mavericks," and uh, and look what they did. I mean, it was. It was pretty special. Yeah, we went back and we looked at the uh, the ESPN preview of that series, and every single one of their experts picked the Lakers to beat the Mavericks <laughs> in that series. Yeah. Every single one of them, even McMahon and, and Mark Stein. Uh, the, the solar eclipse, it's interesting you bring that up. That The next one that is coming through the U.S. is seven years from now. And yeah, there you go. <laughs> and and this, uh, this next season is the, is seven years from when the Mavericks won the title. So, hey. Ah, well, there you go. Hey, hey. you never know when it's All coming right. next. We do. We know when it's coming. So I hope you're uh, ready about yeah. that. <laughs> That's awesome. Better be ready. All right. Victor, thanks so much for joining us on the Locked On Mavericks podcast. Uh, sure. You can hear Victor on the Spanish broadcast of the, the Mavericks and the upcoming Cowboys season. We're excited about that. Correct. 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 Um, here in Dallas, can I say where you can hear it? Yeah, of course. Yeah, here in Dallas, uh, we're on twelve seventy a.m. for the Maverick games. Uh, it's a station that powers down at night, so maybe it's hard to hear in certain areas. But during the day, it's uh, fifty thousand watts, so you can really hear it twelve seventy. Uh, and if you're in the, in, in, if you're east west, uh, you can really hear it very well, like uh, in, in in the east part of Dallas, and then all the way west, uh, Arlington and Fort Worth, you can really hear it. And then the Cowboys 107.5 FM, which uh, is a blowtorch, and we'll be uh, we'll be getting ready for that here pretty soon. And before you know it, the Mavericks will be will be hitting the court too with their preseason that begins on October 1st. Yeah, we're two months away from regular season basketball, Victor. We're real it's close. Amazing, isn't it? I'm amazing. so excited, Victor. Thanks so much for joining us. Hey, absolutely, Nick. Uh, good talking with you, and I'm sure I'll see you very soon. Definitely. place with the helpful hardware folks it's ace's biggest led light bulb sale of the year right now buy one get one free on our best-selling led light bulbs our four pack of led bulbs is 9.99 and our two pack of led floodlights is only 12.99 buy one get one free there's no limit on how much you can save so stock up now hurry in buy one get one free on long-lasting 10-year led bulbs now through monday only at your neighborhood ace see participating stores for details